G'day and welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ferguson, CEO here at Next Gen Agri. I've worked in livestock research, farming and breeding for over 25 years. I've been very fortunate to see a lot of amazing places and meet a lot of wonderful people throughout that career. I'm reminded every day of just how awesome the livestock industry really is. It really is a great pleasure to bring you the stories and wisdom of the people in the industry via the Head Shepherd Podcast. This podcast is supported by our good friends at Allflex and MSD Animal Health, who are guided by the one mission of the science of healthy and productive animals. For these two companies now combined, they have one of the widest product portfolios in Australasia with a comprehensive lineup from the Cooper's range of animal health products through to the ID and monitoring solutions that, that Allflex are famous for. Their products are all backed up by their exceptional service, and we're thrilled to continue to have their support in bringing you this podcast each week. If I could ask a couple of small favours before we get underway this week, if you could rate this podcast in the app that you're listening to it in, that would be fantastic. Also, if you know someone that you think would enjoy what we do here, please share the show links with them. Finally, if you are listening to this podcast, you're probably a big fan of livestock farming. We're setting up the Next Gen Agri Hub to be the home of livestock farming conversations. Check it out at thehub.nextgenagri.com. Okay, it's time for this week's guest. Welcome back to Head Shepherd. Before we get underway this week, just wanted to remind people that we're on the road in New Zealand towards the end of October. Uh, we're going through doing our designer genes workshop, which is uh, helping people work through their breeding programs. So whether it's beef or sheep or a bit of a combination, sitting down and discussing exactly which traits are going to be the most profit for your enterprise, the type of animals you need to run, and then how you go about finding those animals and breeding those animals. So we're going to Waipak 25th of October and Marston 26th of October, so our North Island stops, then Wanaka, Cheviot, Fairley and Lumsden on the 27th and 28th of October. So uh, we'd love to see you there if you're in, in New Zealand and keen to work out a bit of a plan for your genetics then we'd, we'd love to see you jump on the website www.nextgenagri.com and and register interest uh, we'd love to see you there all right this week we've got charlie wooden on the show welcome charlie hey Ferg, how you going good mate thanks for thanks for joining us uh, charlie you're over there in adelaide but originally you hail from uh, southwest victoria at jigsaw farms yeah so yeah grew up yeah near hamilton there um yeah my family's farm so I've come over to Adelaide for uni for the last four years, so um, and doing my honours project uh, on the Magnificent Maidens uh, in part of that PDS site this year. So, yeah, cool. So, yeah, that's our main purpose of chatting. Obviously, um, it's been awesome to have you on as an honours student on that uh, PDS project. So, for those who don't know, Magnificent Maidens is around focusing on your your normal 19-month-old ewe joining. Um, there's been a fair bit of, I guess, emphasis on adult ewe reproduction, which is through lifetime wool originally, and then lifetime ewe management. There's a lot of uh, a lot of research and a lot of extension effort. There's also been a fair bit on ewe lamb uh, mating, so mating animals or what they call hoggets in New Zealand, but mating animals at sort of seven to nine months of age. Um, a lot of em- research effort on that. But then I guess there was this research gap between between those two, which is our normal maidens, which we often see a, a fairly significant reduction in reproduction between them and, and your adult mating. Yeah, so there's obviously a fair um, gap in reproductive performance between maiden and mature ewes on, on a farm. Uh, I think in terms of the reproductive rate, uh, there's surveys saying that around Australia, the average for merinos uh, is about 133%. That obviously varies um, across the country, but... In that same survey, 
Made and used average 107%. So that's an obvious research gap there. And, um, well, obvious uh, reproductive gap. And as you said, the lifetime will work, work conducted by you guys in the early 2000s and extended through the Lifetime U project has made a tremendous difference to the industry um, in terms of mature U production. And increasingly in recent times, it's been an increasing body of literature looking at U lamb joining. And we're learning a bit more about that, but we still, there's not much research done on maiden merino hoggets that join at 18 to 19 months of age, which um, at the end of the day, it's it can be it's more low hanging fruit fruit for a lot of people compared to ewe lamb joining, um, and more achievable opportunities there. I think. Yeah, obviously, compared to ewe lambs, you've got well twelve more months to grow them out, so you've got a bit of a bit more time. And yeah, and they're obviously, I guess, in a lot of places, uh, twenty twenty five percent of the of the ewes are going to be in that in that cohort. So it's a significant part of your production if you can lift it by a few percent yeah i think so i think increasingly in recent times if people um have begun to turn off their weathers at a younger age there's you can't prioritize all the sheep in your flock and it means that maiden um hoggets often put on the back burner um, and treated treated as glorified weathers pretty much over that well from weaning really until and they forgot about until their first joint at 18 months of age and yeah, so oh, and the, if we can improve the way you treat your hoggets from that period of time, from weaning to when they're weaned, which is probably right about now for a lot of areas in southern Australia, or coming into it the next couple of months to their first joining, that's where the opportunities for to really set them up for the joining are. Not as much in the if you leave them to the to the January uh, of the year they've been joined for the first time, you you got leaving a lot of hard work to pretty late on. Yeah, definitely, and I think that's pretty much sums it up for sheep reproduction. It's it's sort of do it early and do it the easy way, rather than having to try and stack every weight on at the end. And I think I think you're hundred percent right that the young sheep tend to be the ones that get pushed out the back corner because there's a hot, there's priority mobs everywhere else and so they're the ones that sort of get get forgotten about a bit and so yeah obviously bringing a bit of focus back on them because I guess um, we'll get onto your results in a minute but um, as we've seen around the place people that have focus on their on their merino maidens have really significantly lifted their production so it's obviously not a no biological reason that we can't improve it so it's just about working out I guess a way that we can do it in a cost-effective way. Maybe if you just run us through the sort of the experimental design that you that you ran with to try and understand what what the drivers of or how we would improve reproductive performance in those maiden ewes. Yeah. So uh, earlier this year we set up we've set up four trial sites. Um, we've got two trial sites in uh, Southwest Victoria near Hamilton, and then um, we've got two trial sites over in Western Australia. So we had 500 to 600 maiden hoggets at each site, um, which probably for you New Zealand listeners, when I speak about a hogget, I'm always speaking about um, uh, that you in the second year of its life as opposed to you lamb, just to clarify that. So, yeah, 500 to 600 hoggets at each site, and we um, split them into two groups. One with a, that was fed a priority ration, which was 
about 30% greater energy on average compared to the conventional ration, which was, um, yeah, the same as what the uh, ewes in the farm were traditionally fed. And that was just for the last little period before joining, so four weeks prior to joining. And at each of these properties, we uh, took body condition scores um, and live weights of each individual animal at uh, four weeks prior to joining, at the start of joining and at the end of joining. And then at preg scanning, yeah, 90 days post the start of joining, we are able to get the reproductive rates from that. So that's that's the trial design. So with over 2,000 ewes in the trial, we're at, we think we've, able, we've been able to um, capture a fair sample size, yeah, to be able to draw some key conclusions from it. Yeah, cool. So we obviously set out, I guess, to look at those treatment effects, but um, I guess the beauty of having those sort of numbers is that you could drill down into, I guess, more than yeah, what was happening within the treatment, so what individual individual weights and weight gains were doing to, to reproductive performance. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really the purpose um, of having that priority and conventional group. It allowed us to um, generate a bit of variation in terms of um, weight gain over those periods, which has been useful when analysing our results and that allowed us to draw some conclusions. Yeah. So if we shoot into results, I guess uh, people out there listening are in, where are we, October, so there'll be people that are only a couple of weeks away from joining from the Autumn Lammers and um, some that are sort of gearing up to do it later in the year. What are the, um, if they're going to do something today when it, well, when it stops running and, they, and the foot of water leaves the paddocks in much of Australia, but... but in places where they can get on the paddocks, what are the kind of, I guess, what are the what are the potential things we can do? Yeah, right. Um, well, I'll just start on, start on, it's a good question. I'll start on my results just and I'll probably lead on to what I think's the key take-homes from it. So when we analysed all the data, um, we found joining weight was the, uh, like the weight where the user, when the rams go out, is, was the most significant driver or predict, predictor of um, scanning percentage or reproductive rate. Interestingly, we didn't find condition score was a um, – it, it didn't explain any additional variation beyond what was, what was explained by this live weight. It's a bit of a surprise to me, but um, that's not to say you can't measure condition score and manage on condition score for made and use, but uh, from my results, I don't think – there's any evidence to say that joint and weight isn't an adequate substitute um, made targets. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, just just expanding on that a bit further. I mean, I guess generally we're kind of, well, we would hope they weren't, but they're, they're still growing animals. I guess if we grew them out really well, then condition score might, if they had already hit mature weight, then condition score might come back in as a, as a variant. I mean, that's, we're hypothesising, but kind of makes sense, I guess, that weight, is the driver because it's they're still growing and they're not sort of obviously um, haven't hit their, their complete mature weight yet. So the heavier they are, the better they'll be. But um, yeah, interesting. And I think I think that's probably kind of always thought that for young sheep, you focus on weight, and then once they're well, I would have said once they're eighteen months, but maybe now I should say now they once they're twenty four months, then then you start looking at their condition score. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment, and it, yeah. I, I, like there's another paper that's come out just recently looking at comparing whether you should be using live weight or condition score for young sheep. And it's sort of consistent with our findings that live weight 
explains all the variation, uh, well, a lot of the variation there. Um, but, yeah, so for every, um, once we got into the data, we found that for every one kilo increase in weight at joining, there was a 2.2% increase in reproductive rate, which is sort of what we expected given that in a mature sheep from a lot of the lifetime will work. I think, well, it's probably your work for that because I don't want to quote, quote your numbers wrong here, but it's probably about 2%, 2 or um, something that response rate. And then in ewe lambs and the stuff coming out of um, some of Tomo's work in Western Australia, that was up at about 4%, so it probably makes sense that it's about 2.2%. And we also found that during joining weight gain has a positively correlated with increased scanning rate um, so for every 100 grams per day increase in weight gain during the joining period there was a 7.3 percent increase in reproductive rate which in short if we escape the numbers for a second there basically if they're growing more during the joining period they're going to scan more lambs interestingly we didn't find that any pre-joining weight gain was not significant which is um yeah in our data set that's what came forward um Oh, I'm not 100% convinced that it, we should completely abandon the sort of those recommendations about having to use on a rising plane coming into the joining period. Um, but just from our results, we didn't find that pre-joining weight gain before the, the rounds went out was significant. So those were our key, our key findings. Um, so, yeah. the, so basically how heavy they were on the day the round went in and how well they were growing while the rams were in were the two big drivers of, of reproduction. Yeah, yeah. That, that, they were the two key drivers. Um, yeah, so if we if we go back to your earlier question about what, what would your recommendations be to people um, getting ready for their maiden hogget joining coming up, I would, I would say that the key is to do the work early. Like, especially you probably can get away with it a little bit if you join them um, – in November, well, November for those autumn lambers where they're probably coming off some green feed at some point in the last period of time. But um, for those joining in the traditional autumn, to like maybe like March time for merino hoggets, uh, I think the key is it's pretty expensive to put on weight on use from that in those last two months of feeding them grain. And the cheapest feed available is the grass you grow on your own property. So that's probably my recommendation it's probably it's pretty easy in that winter spring period when you've got lamb and ewes and you're trying to allocate feed to those productive ewes in your um flock during that period it's pretty easy to put the um the hoggets on the back burner out of the back paddock but i think the the take-home is that you you will pay the price for that later on in the year if you treat them like not not well in that period yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, I guess what we've sort of been talking about through Magnificent Maidens is is to kind of set that target weight and it almost starts at weaning, doesn't it? Like if this like the ewes that are being weaned surely, um, then they're, it's kind of right, oh, what weight are they got to be in by March uh, 2020, whenever that'll be, March 2024, and, and sort of set that, that growth path and, and know that, there's times of the year where you can put weight on and, and there's times of the year like, I guess, winter in your part of the world or at home where 
faster growth rates are down to 10 kilos a day or whatever. Um, it's pretty tough. And then again, in the summer where, where digestibility has dropped right back, tough to put weight on. So it's making the most of, of hopefully a good autumn. And then a spring, um, and putting the weight on at those periods is, is pretty critical. And, and I think, yeah, I think your results show that you'll get rewarded in that by that extra scanning. And obviously for, uh, in your honors, you can't follow them right through to survival, but, I guess we know a little bit from when watching farmers do this a bit is that is that go to the ram in good condition and good weights are obviously much more likely to be in good condition and good weights when they lamb and therefore are therefore likely to have a decent birth weight and a decent lamb survival and, and bring that bring that lamb in. So yeah, big opportunity I suppose to to rethink where those maidens are about now really in those places that are in sort of in their probably the highest there's probably not many Parts of the listenership, well, within Australia and New Zealand anyway, where growth rate, pasture growth rate is not starting to kick away. Um, and this is the time to put weight on them and get them on a bit of a, on a, on that growth path. I guess the the rising plane bit is interesting during joining. So that um, 7%, can't do the maths fast, but 100 grams a day and, and 7% feels like that would be economic to feed them to do that or not? Have you done any? Any maths on that, or uh, don't have it. Don't have it, any numbers to pull out here. But yeah, I, I, th- <laughs> I think it would. Um, obviously, it's dependent on the those um, on grain prices and those factors like that. But yeah, so there, there's a there's definitely a reward there um, if you can get them growing during that period. Um, something that we probably didn't look at is the the protein content of the diet in that like whether you can do some acute flushing at the start of the period, um, the joining period. Um, I think the recommendation now is up to 500 grams per day of lupins over a seven-day period. Like it's expensive exercise, but oh, I think, yeah, that there is, there's benefit there in making sure they're growing during the joining period or definitely yeah. at least not going backwards. Yeah, and that's probably the best advice really is to – if you've got them growing, at least you know they're not going backwards because that's that's the biggest risk, I suppose, is if they're falling, then you – I'm assuming if they're losing 100 grams a day, you're losing 7% as well. Yeah, right? that, that's right. Um, yeah, well, it's even greater um, going from a negative weight gain to, a, a, um, yeah, a, even just not losing weight at all. That rate of response is even greater than 7%. It's up yeah, right. 9%. So, yeah, yeah. 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 So the last, so the thing you don't want to be doing is is losing weight, and the best way to make sure you're not losing weight is to be gaining a bit. I reckon because it's pretty hard to. Yeah. After, after 25 years of trying, I don't think I've ever been able to predict exactly what a sheep's going to do when you put them in a panic. So. <laughs> yeah, I think we found that with um the different diets we fed in um for this project. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I think it's um yeah there's some sort of key messages out of the projects, something that we haven't been able to really capture, which I think there's plans to capture as this um, PDS project continues over the next few years, is how does the treatment of these ewes affect their lifetime productivity? Because the way you, there's some promising results coming out already. One of the trial mobs was actually at the main Jordan in 2021, and the way they've um, scanned in um, 2022 uh, was a reflection of their condition in that at that maiden joining and i think it probably comes to the point that the way you treat your hoggets in that 
those that first 18 months really sets themselves up sets them up for their career as a productive component of your sheep flock yeah so it'll be interesting when that um, data comes in so i think that's where the, the real value proposition is because the reality is it's the survivability of lambs coming out of maiden hoggets might be lower than your mature ewes so you might not actually see a increase in profitability by prioritizing your maidens in that first year but going forward you might um as they become mature ewes i think that's where the real benefit may be yeah and i guess as we've seen people that kind of yeah, work work together and and actually start building that, growing out those hoggets, getting them up to weight for their first mating. They go to the yeah, they go to the ram in better condition in their second mating, and it just sets that sheep up to be just a completely different animal. And I guess we've seen that as people have got into ewe lamb joining, and one of the reasons that that kind of or one of the big things that does on a farm is a it hones your ability to manage sheep nutrition because you. You can't. There's not many days you can relax when you're mating your lambs. Like they always, they always need to be growing to get them up to weight for that in that short period of time. So it hones their hones their skill set around managing nutrition, but it also sets those ewes up to be sort of kind of all set up for the rest of their life. And I think, it's, yeah, as you've said, the same in the maidens. If we can prioritise them a bit rather than sort of just just getting them to the ram um, and and have a bit of weight on them early. They're obviously set up for the rest of their life, and that's yeah. I think that. What were the numbers on that that one site? There was quite a significant carryover effect on that second year of mating. I can't. Yeah, can't um, the, I don't don't have them on on me, but um, yeah, that, it was a significant carryover effect. But well, I think yeah. that that they they were probably a little bit underdone in their first year. They made in joining, but perhaps with a bit of compensatory growth, they've really caught up, and it. But it was still to the point where the two groups that were trialled were at similar weights at their three-year-old joining, but the effect of, um, yeah, being a poorer condition in their first first joining uh, was still evident in the scanner results. So, yeah. Yeah, even though, the, even though the body weights had pretty much caught up on it. So it was, yeah, so, so it was a, yeah. 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 So it's a pretty, um, pretty interesting. So, yeah, this – Obviously, your honours has been supported by Andrew Thompson and um, and the team there, Wayne, and the team there at Adelaide Uni. You've, been, you've had a pretty gun set of supervisors. Yeah, no, I couldn't ask for a better real set of supervisors. Yeah, I've got Wayne Pitchford sort of heading up the team at Adelaide Uni with um, Michelle Haber and Darren Coop and giving a bit of support too. And then obviously, you, Ferg, and Tomo, it's been on. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a bloody good project, really. Um, well, for me personally, I've got a lot out of it. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, I remember about this time last year, I came to you and said if you had any ideas for projects, and we we're speaking about a foot rot project, but given the timeline on us, it probably wasn't um wasn't suitable. Having said that, probably not a bad year for looking at foot rot um, <laughs> <laughs> in flocks in southern Australia. <laughs> the way you were having but yeah it's been great yeah it's just yeah so the Davies Livestock Research Centre at Adelaide Uni is where I've been based yeah so couldn't have asked for a better project and it's always nice when the outcomes that come out are somewhat near what you would expect to happen in a trial so yeah, yeah. and great to be working on a industry relevant project and yeah so it's yeah awesome that's exactly right yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Um, just for those listeners out there, so Magnificent Maidens is a 
is a PDS project funded by MLA, uh, run by Next Gen Agri with support from Murdoch Uni through Tomo, Andrew Thompson. Yeah, so we're still looking for people that are interested in the project to come forward. We're keen to to sort of monitor more flocks and see see if we can replicate the results that Charlie's found. So if you're interested, get in touch with uh, – it's probably easiest to email Georgia Pugh, Georgia at nextgenagri.com or myself, mark at nextgenagri.com to – to uh, register interest, we're actually running some. Not sure if I've told Charlie this yet, but we're running some. <laughs> running some. Uh, we're going to run through his results in a bit more detail uh, in the next. I think we're third or fourth of November. We start for four weeks, um, and we'll have we'll get Andrew Thompson involved in that as well. Definitely haven't told him, but yeah. So opportunity to chat about your maidens, um, free webinars four times. Yeah, one a week for four weeks, uh, and Charlie will present his graphs and stuff at, at one of those. And we'll just yeah talk through the opportunities of of getting those maidens right and yeah and keen to keen to chat with anyone who's interested in in seeing if they can extract two or three percent more lambs for per kilogram of of live weight. What's next for uh, for Charlie Wooden? Just finishing up finishing yeah, up honours. Yeah, I'll, I'll finish up this year um, at uni, which I'm looking forward to having a bit of break from that. It's been um yeah. Four years, a fair period of time, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I'm headed next year. I'm gonna be back working on my family's farm uh, and set, yeah, at home. Um, just get a bit more on farm experience. And I just really enjoyed working on farm. So that's the plan for the yeah next little while. But I've got a fairly open mind about what I do for the rest of my life. Like I'm only 24. But <laughs> I don't want to. So yeah. I'm, I've got lots of interests, um, yeah, in agriculture and beyond agriculture too. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited to get out there working though, yeah. Yeah, excellent. So we'll, um, I think we're hoping to maybe run a, a field day or something at Jigsaw in, in the new year and and sort of talk through some of the results. And, uh, yeah, so we'll look forward to seeing you there and um, I'm sure we'll catch up for them but yeah anyway but yeah thanks for coming along today and chatting through your project thanks for being a fantastic student um, yeah obviously uh, there's a lot you had to take a fair bit of lead yourself and you did that admirably so yeah um, awesome to have you on and thanks very much mate yeah no, thanks very much Ferg thanks for having me thanks for listening to the Head Shepherd Podcast if you enjoy listening in each week please take a moment to subscribe or even give us a review, that'd be fantastic. And if you do get a moment to share it with your networks, we'd also love that so that we can share these great stories with more people. Thanks again to our friends at Allflex for sponsoring this episode. Allflex are wonderful supporters of the Australian and New Zealand livestock industries. Combined now with MSD Animal Health, they offer one of New Zealand and Australia's largest livestock product portfolios, focused on animal health and management, all backed up by that exceptional service. We really do enjoy our long-term association with Allflex and thank them very much for, for again supporting us with bringing this podcast to you.